Hi, my name is Katie Gilbert, and I serve as the executive pastor at First United Methodist Church in downtown Birmingham. This morning, I'd like to focus on the passage from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Before I read our scripture for today, I want to begin with a prayer for illumination. During the season of Lent, we used resources from a sanctified art, and one of them was this beautiful prayer, written to be used in worship ahead of our reading of John chapter 3. So I invite you to hear these words before sharing our scripture. Will you pray with me? God of the here and now, we have heard the words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, time and time again. We have read them on billboards, heard them in worship, and seen them on signs. And yet we know there is a difference between hearing these words in passing and truly, deeply listening. We long to listen, God. We long to hear your truth. We long to know your love. Open our hearts and minds. We are listening. Amen. This morning, as I read our text from John chapter 3, I want to use the message version. Hear these words. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't on it. Jesus said, You're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. How can anyone, said Nicodemus, be born who has already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. What are you saying with this born from above talk? Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that, a body you can look at and touch. But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone born from above, by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. Nicodemus asked, what do you mean by this? How does this happen? And Jesus said, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics? Listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There's nothing secondhand here, no hearsay. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions. If I tell you things that are plain as the hand before your face, and you don't believe me, what use is there in telling you of things you can't see, the things of God? No one has ever gone up into the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man. 
In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Now, I specifically read this text from the message today, as I believe that all too often we read John 3.16 in particular in the ways that we've heard it traditionally. In addition, we pull this text completely out of its context here in the third chapter of John. And because of that, I think we often misunderstand what Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus and us see. In reading a different version of the text, we open up to hearing something in a different way than perhaps we have before. And for me, the part that strikes me the most is right there at the end, as we read that God sent God's Son so that no one need be destroyed, so that all might have whole and lasting life. Friends, God isn't trying to point an accusatory finger, telling the world how bad it is. Rather, God comes in human flesh to help put the world right again. Could there be any more beautiful understanding of the movement of God? Too often we miss the beauty and grace of this passage because we read it out of context. So let's take a look more carefully. In this story, we find Nicodemus, a Pharisee, coming to Jesus all kinds of confused. Now, in case you don't remember or you're not sure who they are, the Pharisees are the folks in our biblical text that get a bit of a bad rap because they were bound up in trying to get things right. You see, they were always seeking to have right beliefs and right actions. They were consumed with obeying and following the law exactly because they believed that this is how they would be saved. Now, it's easy for us to look back and judge them as being too particular, too harsh. But the honest truth is, and especially for me as an Enneagram one who is motivated by getting things right, I actually often think that the Pharisees are the ones I would have identified with most in our text. And so... Because of who Nicodemus is, Jesus is trying to come to him on his own level as he talks to him in our passage. He's trying to help old Nick release some of his Pharisaic ways. God is not a punisher out to find right belief or else turning you to eternal damnation. No. Rather, what we find here is Jesus coming to someone who is struggling to understand grace someone who is beholden to laws and rules and punishments. And so Jesus is trying to help him see that if you can't step into the grace that I am offering, life, in fact, can feel like death because you're constantly trying so hard all of the time. None of us can possibly have right belief and right action 100% of the time. And the truth is that God does not expect that of us. So if we can understand this context, then when we read the words, God so loved the world that God gives God's only son, 
we can hear Jesus gently guiding us along, saying, Trust the way that I am teaching you. Be born again to be free, just like the wind and the Spirit of God move about wherever they may. Let go of the laws, the punishments, the harshness. Let go of your expectations and fears that are weighing you down. This kind of grace is what is at the heart of this conversation. Jesus says God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Jesus knew that Nicodemus couldn't simply throw out all that he knew and had been taught about God. He couldn't simply shift away from his compulsions to be good, to be right. Jesus surely knew that letting go would be a process. But Jesus does, does want to encourage Nicodemus, and us for that matter, to dip our toe into grace. Grace that has the power to help Nicodemus loosen his tight grip on the world. God loves the world. God didn't condemn the world or hate the world. God didn't fear the world. God so loved. And that is then the same reason that Jesus comes to the world. Not to condemn, not to hate, not to fear, but to love. We are being invited, just like Nicodemus, to trust grace more than our works more than our beliefs, more than our expectations, more than our striving. We are being invited to step out of the darkness of night and to be fully seen while also being able to fully see. As a part of our Lenten Sanctified Art Reflections, Reverend T. Denise Anderson, who is the coordinator for racial and intercultural justice with the Presbyterian Mission Agency, wrote these beautiful words about this particular passage. She says, there is vulnerability in being seen. We risk being defined by our blemishes. I trust few people with that picture and only because I know that they love me. And there it is, love. Again and again, God's love. Can we trust this love enough to draw the drapes of our souls? And that's where her reflection ends. If we could but draw the drapes of our souls to be fully seen for all that we are, our failures and our fears, our mistakes and our errors, for all of our striving and working too much, for all of our doubts and misgivings. To be seen in this way is so very hard. It requires a real vulnerability to acknowledge that we might have gotten it wrong. But you see punishment, evil, and death. Those are the things we do to ourselves and to others. It is not anything God is planning for us because we do not measure up. God's love offers us freedom, and we are the ones who can choose to live fully into that truth or to deny it. The pain comes in our refusal to let ourselves be loved and found valuable. God will never refuse us love. 
And that is what Jesus was sent to show us. Eternal love and grace here and now and always. And when we can live into that space of love, we are truly experiencing eternal life. Will you pray with me? Oh God, as we move throughout these days, help us to know that we are wrapped in love and grace. May we spend less time striving to get things right and open up to what has been offered freely to us all along. May love be our rhythm. Amen.